Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. Well, that was really interesting hearing Jyoti's career journey there, wasn't it? It was, Julia. And we have so many guests talking about their whole career. And Jyoti's not only been qualified for seven years, but my God, it was still inspiring to hear what she had to say about her role. she's, She's packed in an awful lot, but it's really refreshing to hear somebody's energy and passion for their profession and to make sure that she's educating colleagues who may not know necessarily how to work with a dental therapist. Exactly. I think she's a real spokesperson for the for the profession, for for the registrants. And I think we're going to hear a lot more from her in the future. I think you're absolutely right. So sit back. This is somebody that you're going to hear from again after this podcast. This is Jyoti Samal. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. Hello, Jyoti. It is really a great pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Really looking forward to hearing your stories. Hi, Julia. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. On these type of podcasts, we we always tend to explore and tease out that initial journey, um, that initial start in dentistry. And obviously, we're interested in yours because we want to hear about those turning points that make people decide dentistry as a career option. So perhaps tell us about your choices. So my choice started quite early on. So in school, in my year of year eight, I went out to a dental practice. I had a choice of doing work experience anywhere and I chose a dental practice. I managed to see how the receptionist works, how everything works in the surgery, overseeing the dental nurse, seeing it was a dental hygienist at the time in practice, seeing the dentist, and then just seeing how they worked as a team. I loved it. It was everything that I wanted to do. Being part of that team was just excellent. They all flowed together so nicely. The conversations with the patients and really caring for them. And I I love caring for others so I just knew it was the job opportunity for me so I did some research went off to college and explored further and I found that dental therapy was the way for me so I looked on UCAS looked at all the ways of getting onto dental therapy and I applied and that's how from there I decided that it was the path for me. Interesting so I guess my question off the back of that is so what was there any particular reason that you chose that dental practice to do your work experience or was it just a I need to go somewhere a dental practice will do or or was there any story behind choosing that to even go on work experience? So um, the story was I left it a little bit last minute to choose where to go for work experience and my uncle owned a dental practice so I thought interestingly I'd ask him even though I hadn't reached out for a few years so happily he was happy enough for me to go and explore and see his dental practice and he had me in for a few days and in those few days I was inspired to then go into dentistry. So that was my short story to dentistry. And then you got into your program, which is no mean feat. It's actually to get on the course in the first place. You obviously were successful in qualifying. And then uh, interestingly, you went on and did vocational training afterwards, which is not something that's necessarily compulsory or that everybody does. Um, for, For dentists it is, but not for dental therapists. So that's a relatively new thing. How how was that experience? Was that something that you would recommend for other people? Do you think that should be something that everybody does? Or can you just tell us a little bit more about that that first year after qualifying? So I would definitely recommend vocational training 
vocational training made me the clinician that I am today. So when it came to applying for vocational training, I was up in working in, well, I was studying in Scotland and I'd been there for three years and I studied in the University of Highlands and Islands. So it was a little island off the coast of Scotland, the Western Isles. And for the three years, it was an amazing opportunity working there, but I felt like I wanted to move home. So I applied for foundation training down in Birmingham and I also applied for vocational training in Scotland. I knew it was the next step for me because as somebody who went straight from school and college into working, I felt that I needed a stepping stone. I needed that support to go from hour long appointments to 30 minutes or even as I'd heard 20 minutes. (laughs) So with the support of my um, colleagues and peers in in university, I made sure I applied for the vocational training programme and I was successful in getting the place in Scotland and I followed through and I spent a whole year there and the, the experience was amazing. I I decreased my appointment times from an hour down to half an hour and, you know, learned how I could, you know, in practice then put that down to 20 minutes. And it was such a learning experience. It was working as part of a team, learning what it meant to be a dental therapist, learning what it meant to be thankful to the whole team. You know, what the role of the receptionist is, you know, when you're running late, you know, that day, you know, having a good relationship with your receptionist means that they will then explain that to the patient. And, you know, they're very understanding and your dental nurse in the surgery, you work so closely together. And even with the dentist and the practice I was so lucky to be supported along the BT journey you do a lot of studying so we had numerous tests to do audits to do and I was so lucky that everybody in the practice were so open to me carrying out these audits and carrying out my um, tests on them and you know they supported me through all the questions through all the learning and it was an an amazing practice it was just a small practice in Glasgow um, Cardinal Dental Practice and I was really lucky to have an amazing team looking after me. There's a couple of things there that I was that just going to say. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking, oh, you know, you're really making audit sound very exciting, and I feel as though we 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 mustn't sort of shy away from that because actually, with all of these things that we are regulated on in general practice and within a hospital setting, you know, audit is a is a great tool to try and get us to improve. So. If you can talk a little bit about audit and then if Josh wants to tease out something else that you said, we'll, we'll, we'll give him the chance. But <laughs> in the meantime, let's talk. You try and um, persuade everybody who's listening to this podcast about the benefits of doing audit. I, th- I think I may have over-exaggerated my audit, but it was it was a BPE audit and it was encouraging the dentists to do BPEs regularly, making sure they're doing them annually and making sure they're doing them correctly. But well, it that's went, a pretty important, it, um, yeah, yeah. you know... <laughs> It definitely was. It doesn't need to be some crazy, (laughs) crazy concept. Exactly. So it was just simple steps. So they were open to me putting up little, an A4 sheet. So I put it together, you know, what a BP0 is for, what a BP1 is for, as that little reminder, three and four. It was just a simple table that I'd um, used from BS Perio and I'd stuck that on the towers of every single computer and laminated it so no one could miss it. And that was a reminder to them and making sure that they looked at it and then having in the team meetings, having an update of what was the results of the audit and ensuring that everybody understood what they were referring over to me and how important having that BP was to me when before I saw these patients so I knew what I was going into. And, and actually I mean it's important for you but you know this is this is about care for the patient too isn't it they're they're providing a dare I say a better service a better treatment for those patients so it's a win-win for everybody isn't it? 
Exactly. And especially for patients with periodontal disease, it was so important to have that BPE because then the dentist could have that initial talk with them about what to expect and what the kind of disadvantages of gum disease are and the steps they can take to improve that before they came over to me. And that way it was that stepping stone on their patient journey. So there's obviously a lot of different benefits of doing that vocational training. And presumably you were able to use your whole scope as a dental therapist within that job? I was. I was very lucky. So I managed to do stainless steel crowns, extractions on paediatric patients, variety of restorations, including some being quite subgingival and working through so some difficult ones which was the best place to do them in my VT training year because I had full support for that and also just working on periodontal patients and working like I said with the team and learning four-handed dentistry and working it to the, to its best. Yeah and I think uh, unfortunately some colleagues maybe wouldn't get those kind of experiences and I think especially uh, undergrad you don't get to do a huge amount of clinical dentistry. So having the support that it sounds like you had, I'm sure was really beneficial than maybe being a bit more out on your own, so to speak, outside of a vocational training pathway. Exactly. So many of my colleagues went on to just do hygiene. And, and it's not just hygiene, but when you've trained for three years to do your therapy full scope of practice, it was always drilled into me at university level from my tutor at the time to ensure that we used our full scope of practice and how important it was that we took three years to learn these skills, three years of learning and training and practicing day in, day out, and how important it was to utilize them and ensure that we didn't de-skill in future and ensuring that we utilize them. And, you know, the patient comes first, ensuring that we knew we were there to help the patient in the best interest of the patient, knowing how the therapist fits into the team, that with those skills, we support the dentist and how important that is. Sounds good. Sounds like you had some good teachers up there. I did and we were well supported so my tutor was a therapist a dental therapist her name's Lizzie Hall and I was also supported by the dental tutors as well so Colm Rice supported our dental dental foundation trainees that came over and the dentists and he supported us as well so we were really lucky to have those mentors and you know leaders there. You worked in general practice after your VT um, year but then really decided that the community dental service was where your heart was. What made you decide to go down into that avenue? So working in general practice, I was working predominantly doing dental hygiene work. So I can say 95% of the work I was doing was predominantly dental hygiene. And I knew that day in, day out, I didn't, that's not something that I wanted to do. I wanted to do the full scope of practice as a dental therapist. I loved my therapy work. And in practice, I always pushed for more restorations, for more pediatric patients, for even fissure sealants, just to keep myself, my skills up and to keep making sure I was upskilling. So I, I knew the importance of, of not de-skilling. I'd been taught that university, taught that at vocational training level. So I really pushed so I would have some, um, fillings and restorations come through and upper left seven and upper left eight distal you know and I would never say no because I knew that was the path that I would take to then ensuring I didn't de-skill and I had the skills and doing those difficult restorations made me the clinician I am today so that's why I explored further I knew a year into doing it I knew that I wanted more and no matter how much I pushed in practice, unfortunately, it wasn't always the way that I wanted it to go. I wasn't getting the restorations I wanted. I wasn't getting the full scope of practice like I wanted, which is why I started to explore what I could do. A patient mentioned to me about the armed forces. So I looked into that and then I found community dental services. 
as a career pathway. So I explored further and I found that they treat a variety of patients. They treat patients with complex medical histories, patients in wheelchairs, sometimes patients that are bariatric, anxious patients and paediatric patients, a real range. And being able to support those patients, you know, they fall into a sometimes a vulnerable aspect of patients and they need our support and being able to provide that support and care, it makes a huge difference to them. And they felt like my kind of patients, patients that I would make a difference to their day to day. And and for myself, it was a job where we could, you know, I would be employed, I would reap the benefits of that as well and be part of a, a team a wider team so I explored my options I waited for jobs to come up so I'd moved back home to Birmingham at this point and I looked and looked and nothing came up for a while and then a job came up 50 miles away in Leicestershire so it was a difficult decision whether I wanted to apply or not and I thought I'll apply and it will be good interview practice I'm not sure I'll get the job but it's fine it's just interview practice I applied I, I went through the interview it's a panel interview did a presentation and 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 Lucky for me, I felt quite relaxed because I knew for me, my head, it was just practice. And then a few weeks later, I got the phone call to say I had the job and I started this exciting journey onto something that I didn't know where it would lead. And that was 2018. So that was a year on from qualifying VT. So I was very lucky to join there and find the right career path for me. And since then, I've gone on to complete my inhalation sedation training, which is something that if I'd if I told you when I qualified, I, I don't think I even knew back then that's something that I could do. So I've gone on to do many things and I carried on with my BPE audit as well. So I've established that in the Community Dental Services CIC. Great. <laughs> it sounds like a, a metaphorical journey and a literal <laughs> journey if it was 50 miles away. God, it must have been tiring, but obviously you enjoyed it to, to be able to, to commit to that. I did. I, I love I love all my patients. They're, every day is so varied and I love that variation. I work between two or three different clinics. It depends where I'm sent out to and the team is so supportive. I'm so lucky to have the team that I do. It feels like it sounds so niche, but working is part of a family and that's what it is. It's family working. And from the day I started, I had so much support and working with them to getting them to think therapists. So they were all really on board. I was very lucky. So they hadn't had therapists they, there before. I was going to say, had they had a therapist no, before? They so hadn't. you really were yeah. sort of educating them on exactly what you could do and doing it very well by the sounds of things. Yes, I um, pulled out my laminated sheets. I laminated the GDC <laughs> scope of practice <laughs> <laughs> and I showed them and I popped it up in the in the surgeries. We put little signs. That, I mean, that's a really interesting point you make because so many people still don't know the scope of many of the registrants. You know, we, we, we're talking about you as a dental therapist, but of course our dental nurse colleagues can have extended duties and, and may be able to do some of these things that traditionally maybe have been uh, used by um, dental hygienists and dental therapists and dentists, of course. So it's I, I think your laminated um, scope of practice idea, listen up all of uh, the people listening to this podcast, that could be a very handy tip. I think that's a great idea. I get plenty of dentists ask me that don't really know the scope of practice of, of everybody um, that they work with. So yeah, why not? It sounds like you're very proactive in terms of what you do, finding jobs, finding work for yourself within those jobs. And probably born out of that was you applying and becoming a dental clinical transformation fellow with HEE. So how did, how did that come about? What, what's the story there? 
I was um, I was five years qualified at that point, and I I saw the job advert come up with internally within Community Dental Services CIC, and one of my mentors, um, Nicola Milner, she's our operations manager, and she said she saw it as well, and I saw it, and I put it to the side, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. There was a lot in there about skills mix, and I thought that sounds very relevant to a dental therapist, and then she came to me and she said, I think you should go for it, and I said. Okay, I said I'd seen it too, but I'm only five years qualified. Do you not think, you know, I'm a bit too early in my career to go for this? You know, it's something that I'd love to do. I love variety and pushing myself forward. And she said, no, go for it. So that's what I did. And I went for it and I was lucky enough to get gain the role and become a transformation fellow. So I did that from 2021 to 2022. So I worked on a variety of projects. I even had another dental care professional po- colleague with me, a dental therapist from CDS CIC in Nottinghamshire. And we support each other through our role. We worked on a range of projects and then it was coming close to the end of the year and I I wasn't sure what to do and what my next step would be. So I reapplied and I'm still, so as of 2022 until 2023, September, I'm still a dental clinical leadership fellow. So I was lucky to carry on with a lot of my projects. I had some very large projects. So one of the projects that I worked on was a patient safety project called Project Sphere. I still work on this project with Jason Wong and the Deputy Chief Dental Officer and the Chief Dental Officer's Clinical Fellow, Zain Hamid, also supports us on this project. I mentioned it's a very large project, so we're trying to move towards from the kind of blame culture in terms of patient safety and when things go wrong. We're trying to move into a positive patient safety culture, which is an interesting journey. And we know it takes a lot of steps to get to a, a... end goal but we're trying our best in getting there and and the way that you're describing these positions they seem just for a year so people could sort of think oh i might i might try that and then if it works out well then perhaps if there are other projects going on that one could develop those further if the opportunities were there Yes, definitely. I would definitely recommend to others if there's any kind of volunteering opportunities to get involved with the projects within your organisations or within your practices. It's great experience. So when opportunities like these fellowships, as rare as they are, do come up, then I would definitely recommend it. I was lucky with this role. I was working for CDSCIC in Leicestershire. It was an internal opportunity. So it's with Health Education England at the time, which is now NHSE. So they they have a host organisation, which is CDSCIC. And with that host organisation, they internally advertise the roles. So there were two roles within my internal organisation and it's, it's within the Midlands. So a lot of opportunities tend to come up and when they do, it's around the Midlands region that we find. And we're lucky, thanks to the HEE board members that they decide that we're available to have these roles and that they're suited for us. So digging into that just a little bit more, I'm interested to know, how does that actually work? What's the structure of that? Is that a full-time thing? Are you still doing clinical? Where do you work from? Are you working from home remotely? How does how does it logistically work, that, that role? So I work from home in that role. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, I work for CDSEIC. So they have seconded me two days to NHSC. Okay. So I managed to work from home for those two days. And I work clinically two days for the community dental services. And then I 
because that amounts to four days. I then top up my day on a Monday. I work for a private dental practice, just working for them. So I have a range through the week. But with the fellowship, I work from home those two days. They're quite flexible. So I can choose to start a bit later if I know I've got a meeting later on. And sometimes those meetings can run later. Sometimes you're working until half six. Sometimes there's meetings at eight in the evening, you know, or until eight in the evening. It just varies. And, you know, you could be going to conferences on the weekend to speak at those conferences as a range of different roles that you could be doing so it's, there's a lot of flexibility within a lot of range and also getting to work clinically it provides that balance between the two different kind of career paths that I've taken. I was going to say you were mentioning about not losing those skills so it's good to hear you're still getting to develop those at the same time. And it, and it sounds like those jobs really sort of blend into each other and actually you're getting bits from both of them that make a whole complete complete picture of you and your working five days a week. You know, your private practice, I'm sure that you bring things to that. Your community work, you bring something in that from your private practice and your fellowship. So am I looking at that or is that is that a romantic notion or is that reality? It is reality. So all the things that I see in private practice and I see in the community dental service they and what I see in the fellowship role, they all interlink. So with the fellowship role, I've managed to attend local dental network meetings so I can see what happens behind the scenes, which is something that I wouldn't have had the understanding of in the past and seeing how that then inputs into our CDS locally and looking at how the managed clinical network meetings work and what they cover. So all these things that happen in the background, which I had no idea about understanding them and being on the ground at the same time, seeing how what they're implementing outside. So for example, they're working on a project in the Midlands called CDS support practices. So I heard about it on paper at a meeting and then I've heard about it now within my community dental setting and how it's working and getting that feedback from within the practice. And then also then being able to see in working in general practice, putting that back in. So within private practice, seeing what I learned from community dental services and what I learned from private practice, bringing that back in, things that I learned from the patients and bringing that back into the community dental service as well. Are you noticing, I mean, you're saying about what you're learning, but it sounds like you might be teaching other people in those environments too about the scope of working with a dental therapist. Yes, definitely. So I try to be the voice for dental therapists. So at the meetings, when things come up in terms of skills mix or utilising DCPs, I try my best to be the voice. And even within my projects, I try to be a DCP voice. So one of my projects, I'm trying to create a dental care professional network. So it's trying to get all different varieties of DCPs in the room. So whether it be dental therapists, dental nurses, dental technicians, dental practice managers, a real range, dental hygienists, everybody in the room together to have that conversation, those people on the ground. And it's not often that they get to communicate with each other locally. So it's something nice that we can create a little meeting point and get them to work together, provide that support as well. So get, making sure dental therapists have that voice. And even with my patient safety project, making sure that we know that DCPs are also affected by patient safety events ensuring that we understand that you know we need support sometimes too and ensuring that we're not forgotten and even in those local dental network meetings if they need the input of a therapist being there to give that input do you find that because quite a lot of these things end up being dentist orientated quite a lot of uh well well, not quite a lot but there there is dentist uh leadership fellowships and these kind of things all these other roles generally for dentists 
do you find that you're often you often are that person that maybe is the only th therapist in in that room or that people don't necessarily have experience of working with therapists do you find do you find that do you find that it is unusual to the other people that you're working with that that you're there given your given your opinions on things yes and no so it is unusual because i will be the only therapist sometimes in the room but then at the same time as my fellow um, dental clinical leadership fellows have said to me that uh, as a dcp I, I am where i am because of all the experience that we've had and as a dental therapist or the experience that i've had in the past that we deserve to be in these roles mm -hmm. as well and we deserve to be having being that voice and having input into the wider system there there's dental care professional leaders out there and you know the journey has to start somewhere their yeah. career path has to start somewhere and they're learning so it's important for us to be there as well and have that input so it's just looking at what opportunities arise and ensuring that in, that we are there and where you can get in and where you your input is needed being that voice and ensuring that they think of dental care professionals in those situations so although it may seem unusual at times it's making sure that you're not intimidated in that meeting you are making sure you are being the voice and not speaking just for yourself but speaking for all the other dcps around you and dental therapists around you yeah i think it's about time <laughs> and there's no reason that you, you shouldn't be there you've got plenty plenty to offer and i'm sure the people that you're working with are extremely lucky to to have you and, and to have what you what you are able to offer and so you've written a, a couple of blogs for the general dental council yes i have um how do you sort of see the profession getting benefit from doing these sorts of new activities that may be considered slightly um, unorthodox for particularly people like the GDC. So with the General Dental Council bot blog, what it does is it it's for individuals maybe looking at new career pathways. It could be dental nurses looking to become dental therapists. It could be those individuals in schools. So that was our reasoning for doing it. So we wanted people, more people to look at dental therapy as a career path. I feel people look straight at dentistry or they do look straight at dental nursing. And I feel dental therapy gets hidden, which is why when we were approached to do this blog, it was an amazing opportunity to be heard, to be that voice again for dental therapists and ensuring people understand what we do, what our purpose is, how to become a dental therapist, what the courses are available. And we also inputted in there how we are separate to dental hygienists, although we cover the full scope of a dental hygienist, how the courses are separated and how you do your initial years learning your dental hygiene work and then advancing on that into dental therapy and looking at what career pathways they could take so in terms of the leadership fellowship how they could get onto that and also looking at the roles of working in the armed forces and community dental services so myself and my colleague work in the community community dental services which is why we wrote a blog just about that as well to ensure that individuals understand why these patients need us and the input that we have and the impact we have on their lives day to day yeah, dentistry for that group of people can be a bit of a challenge, can't it, in the general practice setting? Definitely. It's all about awareness. Same with this podcast. It's just making people aware of the different opportunities available to them and the different things that they can do. And hearing inspiring and motivational stories of journeys within people's careers. So, yeah, that's really good. You've made no um, bones about saying that you have enjoyed mentoring and that you've undergone mentoring training yourself. Yes, that's correct. So what made you go down that pathway and what sort of benefits do you think people get from having that sort of professional mentorship in their lives? So as I mentioned, throughout my career, I've had a range of mentors which have 
who have supported me to where I am today. So it started off at university level. My tutors, I saw them as mentors. They helped me along my journey at university and then onto my vocational training practice. My VT trainer, they, she mentored me through my year and supported me. And then when I joined the community dental services, my operations manager took me under her wing. She, she's mentored me even to the present and on my next opportunities and supporting me with whichever the pathway I took. And then with the fellowship post, I'm in my initial year, I had Peter Thornley, who's a local dental network chair for Birmingham and Solihull. So he was my mentor and he, in this new role that I had, which I had not much knowledge of what I was quite going into. He supported me along my leadership journey, got me into a project. So he led me on a creating a practice manager network and learning how to carry out research and a range of different things, which is something that I knew nothing about. So he guided me in that sense so that I would understand what to take, what steps to take and where that could lead. And then with my patient safety project, I met the head of NHS patient safety, Hester Wayne, and through the NHS Leadership Academy, she mentored me and she supported me on my patient safety journey and how to move the project forward with networking and with with signposting me to documents and publications and knowing where to lead the project next, which was a lot of support for me. And then Health Education England had this pilot programme for reciprocal mentoring and I thought I'd give it a go. It sounded interesting, something a bit different. So I signed up to this course and we learned about mentoring and active listening and a range of different things. And then we were paired up. So I was paired up with Joe Lenahan, which is who was Health and Health Education England's director. And she supported me along my journey on my leadership journey through my fellowship. And with that, then I saw an insight into something outside of dentistry. Same with Hester Wayne. And in my second year of fellowship, Jason Wong, the Deputy Chief Dent Officer, is my mentor and he supported me along my journey. So it's been a very difficult year uh, coming into the second year. So I was working on a range of projects, trying to balance everything. So sadly, last year I was working with a colleague, a dental therapist colleague. She suddenly passed away along the year and we were working on a range of projects together. And J Jason Wong was there for me through every week. He would check in and ensure everything was going well with the projects and then ensuring that I carried on with everything as, as best I could and support me where he could. And I wanted to carry on the legacy of my, my colleague, Monica Matandas, which is why that pushed me then to carry on with all the projects we worked on together and hence the second year I knew that was a step I wanted to take I wanted to get to a point of completion something that she would be proud of wow <laughs> yeah and I'm sure she will be because she'll be looking down on you thank you and I think it like you say it's, it's a two-way thing and that, going back to what you said previously about getting into this leadership role you were saying oh, I've only been qualified five years I don't know if I'm in, in the right place and I think there's so much experience that you've now got, which you can can share with other people, even if you are, generally speaking, in the earlier stages of your career. So what advice would you have to dental therapists who might be qualifying now, who are wanting to get the most out of their dental therapy role, get the most out of their career and, and achieve their potential? Is there any advice that you would give them? 
I would say to ensure that they always push for their full scope of practice, no matter where they're working, making sure it's known what they can do, laminating those posters of the <laughs> GDC scope of practice, stick them on the towers, stick them on the walls so everybody can see them, bring it up at team meetings, ensuring everybody thinks about what you can do and ensuring that you're inputted into the team correctly, making sure that you're that part of the jigsaw that fits everybody together and supporting everyone. And I would say any opportunity that arises that you look at and you think, I could do that, don't be hesitant, apply for it. There's always an experience to learn from it. There's always, you know, you can learn things from the application process, you can learn things from the interview process and so on. And, you know, saying yes, you know, I feel like I say, I say yes a lot to things. Yeah. And that has got me to where I am today, saying yes to a range of things, things that might have scared me speaking at conferences. I never thought I would be doing that six years ago. So it's an amazing opportunity. You feel excited to be able to speak to others and you feel proud that you can represent dental therapists in a, in a new light. So I definitely recommend saying yes and ensuring that any opportunity that arises, keep your eyes peeled. And I'd recommend doing vocational training following your undergraduate year if possible. It's so important. It's such a stepping stone, especially if you've gone like I have from college straight into university. It's an important stepping stone and looking, keeping your eyes peeled at fellowship and leadership opportunities is something that you want to do. Don't be afraid to volunteer. Sometimes you have to put your own time into things and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it pays off in the long run and, you know, working on audits, working on mini projects internally, it's great. And, you know, you reap the benefits of that and it's nice to be able to be the person to make those changes. 100% and I think all that extra time is doing those projects but it's investing in yourself as well it's not just just a job because you're investing in yourself for the future so I think that's that's really good advice exactly so you recently spoke at the GDC leadership networking event I'm just interested to know obviously you were representing um, dental therapists at, at that meeting but how does one get involved in doing something like that and what sort of are your feelings about those networking events? Do you think they're valuable to people? Yes, they're definitely valuable. It gets the word out there about dental therapists and how we is we are leaders and our roles in dentistry as leaders and the purpose that we play. So I was able to talk about my fellowship and able to, during that event I was approached. I had an email asking if I would speak and I thought, yes. I guess that is my key word, yes. And I, I said yes, and I continued on. I put some, a speech together, a short speech. I squeezed what I could into three minutes about my fellowship year and my career journey. And I was able to sit on the panel, and I had many a range of individuals around me, and they were all much senior to me. So as somebody who was six years qualified, um, only 27 at the time, I felt quite intimidated at thinking, oh, wow, I'm sitting on this panel and there's all these senior colleagues around me. And I thought, I've, I've got to do it. I've got to do it for my fellow dental therapists. I've got to ensure that I make them proud. And I ensured that I did. I spoke about how, how important we are and what our role is in terms of leadership as dental therapists. Ensure they understood that we are a part of the jigsaw. We are a part of the dental team and not looking at the dental team in terms of hierarchy, looking at us all as equal and ensuring that we understood each other's purpose and how we can't function without each other and how important we all are. I think that's very, very good advice. Just keep saying yes, isn't it? Mm. Keeps coming up food time and time again. Yeah, food, food for thought. Thinking about your journey from that work experience in that dental practice all the way through to where you are now, how would you describe that journey from 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 that start to here? I would say it's been a roller coaster, <laughs> an unexpected roller coaster. I don't think I I knew 
how far I would come in such a short space of time. Even looking back 10 years to when I started off at university, I had a phone call to say, going up to the University of Highlands and Islands, this island I never heard of, the Isle of Lewis, not knowing what was there. I gave it a quick Google and I thought, oh, they've got nice beaches. That'd be nice, it'd be a great experience. So even looking back on then, I don't think I quite knew what I was starting and moving away from my family and, and my home. It was seeing the plane landing. I remember in the Isle of Lewis, it was just fields. There was no shops, nothing for miles, but I was determined to work through in those three, three years. I knew what my end goal was. I wanted to qualify as a dental therapist. So I pushed myself through. And then that's why every opportunity that came up since then, I ensure that I say yes and take it on and do it to my fullest. And even with the fellowship opportunity, I was quite conscious that I was one of the first DCPs in the Midlands to have that role so I really wanted to make a big impact and prove that us as dental therapists we can do this and we can be good leaders and I wanted to be that role model to others so that others have the opportunities in future. So you trained at the University of Highlands and Islands and when you just said that the first thing that I thought was wow that must be a bit of a different experience so I just wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about that experience because you must have been quite a close-knit group of people I can't imagine it's a particularly big place so how, how did all of how did all of that work I think different is a really good word <laughs> to describe it so it was really interesting so it was actually a video link course so it's pre-covid and we were video conferencing so we had four students in Dumfries seven in Inverness and only two of us in Stornoway so on oh. the Isle of Lewis so we were very close-knit so it was me and another uh, she was a dental nurse previously so we supported each other on that journey so we were on this little island and I was used to the city life of Birmingham so it would take me a whole day traveling there so I remember being a student and having you know student finances so having getting the plane up to Stornoway was not an option I would get the megabus at 2 15 a.m and travel up to Stornoway and I'd get a bus over from Inverness and then the ferry over and I'd get in at nine o'clock at night and it was a similar journey for the way back getting into Birmingham at so 11 I'm guessing you didn't go home very often yeah. while you were studying <laughs> so the first year when I first went up I didn't go home for three months so I had three months and it's the first time I'd ever been away from home so it was a real shock but it made me resilient and I think that's what's made me what I am today. And I think, I mean, you said you did this training, or well, you were doing this training with a number of people, but one particular person who was part of your um, cohort that you lived with, presumably? Yes, we, we had to live together. There wasn't many living accommodations there, so it was really difficult to find somewhere to live. So we banded together and we, we rented a room with a family initially. So that's the only place we could find to live at the last minute. And then we ended up finding a house to rent and living together until eventually I moved into the hospital accommodation. So it was a very, very journey, even in terms of finding somewhere to settle down there. But it must have made a big difference to that community to have to have you there. You must have been very uh, sought after and uh, well thought of. Yes, so it was the only dental practice on the whole island at the time when we were studying there. So we had we had such a busy day. We had so many patients, such a variety. So we were really lucky to have our full full scope of practice 
crammed into one day sometimes. Mm -hmm. We'd be looking at a range of patients, different ages, different types of patients. And because we were the only dental centre on the whole island at the time, it meant that we were always fully booked and we'd be seeing a range of patients. So that helped prepare me then for when I went out into working in general practice because I knew slightly what the busy life was like. Obviously, we had longer for our appointments. We had one hour for appointments, but still seeing that huge range, really getting our practice and our training in and at that site we were quite secluded so it was only the two of us so we were based in, in terms of that location under a college so that's how the university worked but we would never go to the college so we did not have these experiences as the you know people went to freshers week we didn't have those mm -hmm. experiences yeah. there were just two of us we our tutorial room was within the dental center our dental setting was within that dental center so we would go home and then to the dental center and then we were lucky enough to be supported by everyone in the dental center so we we made friends but it was quite a rural place and we were lucky that everyone was quite welcoming and appreciative and the patients were happy to come and see us they understood what we did and I, I still remember the first filling that I ever did and it was it was going slightly subgingival and they had the dentists on standby in case it turned into a root treatment and this is how complex things were sometimes so it was my first ever feeling and I thought why why for the first one did this have to happen <laughs> and afterwards I remember the patient said to me it all went fine and he and on the way down the stairs it was just the two of us and he said you're so brave for doing that you know and I was like I was like you're brave for letting a student do it <laughs> and you know it was and it was from there that you know I gained the confidence to then carry on working clinically and be proud of being a dental therapist and ensuring that in the future I didn't let that go and that's probably what gave me that enthusiasm to carry on with it and inspire others. Sounds like actually a really good training program I mean and something completely and utterly different having taught on a teaching program for dental hygiene and therapy for rather a long time um, you know it's obviously a completely different way of learning and actually it sounds a good good program. It is. I must admit it was it's interesting when you don't meet individuals in person. So everything was video linked. We knew individuals from the camera and from our induction period. And then we, you would only meet them for kind of training or if you would meet them for we had radiography training or you would go out to placements in different areas. And then you'd be sharing, a, a, you know, a hotel with this individual who you only knew virtually. So it was quite an interesting experience. But we were lucky that we all got along so well. We supported each other. You know, we created a network, groups to communicate. And it was really interesting. And we had some, we did a switch. So we went out to other clinics while other clinics came to us. And, you know, the, I remember clin the, my clinical peers coming out to our clinic in Stornoway and saying, oh, wow, you're, you're always so busy. It's so busy here. But we we knew no, nothing different. So it seemed normal to always be busy. You know, we didn't have many failed to attend as far as I can remember. It mm. wasn't a thing. You know, everyone would show up. Everyone was local. You know, so it was an amazing experience, really unique. And I would definitely recommend it to others. You know, it seems scary at the time to be taking such a big leap to move yeah, it's away. A, it's, a, it, it's a very different way of receiving education. I think you've made that very clear and that's not that's not necessarily for everybody. So yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's worth mentioning, isn't it? Yeah, but if, if you're resilient, then definitely go for it. Or you want to become more resilient. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, goodness, <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, and you've done all of this in six years, seven years. Where are we now? Seven years. So year. you've been qualified seven years and you've done all of this. So the the sort of obvious sort of ending type question for your interview is, 
goodness, what are you going to do in the next seven years? What are you going to do for the rest of your career? Where's this leadership going to take you? In the, in the future, I want to carry on being a dental therapist leader, carrying on inspiring my colleagues, ensuring that I'm a dental voice and a d- dental therapist voice, carrying on attending these meetings, ensuring that I don't lose my leadership skills and ensuring that I'm implementing them, working into towards a career in leadership. And as my colleagues in Leicestershire always tease me, they, they, they say you should be the chief chief therapist one day (laughs) so I say maybe one day I go into something in leadership it'll be very exciting to see what the future holds I don't think there's any reason why you can't go on and do I think the sky's the limit I think you know if you've done what you've done in the last few years my goodness hold on to your hats dental therapists and all of those people that have services from you Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Jyoti. It's been so great to hear your inspirational stories. It's been a real pleasure and I can't wait to see where things go in the future. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been an exciting opportunity. Thank you. If you've been inspired by that episode, did you know that the Eastman Dental Hospital Education Centre provide training for the whole dental team? Follow us on social media or search for the Eastman Dental Hospital Education Centre to find out more. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. Listener.